Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining us today on the Victor Mark Show. We have a special guest with us today. Many of you know Dr. Bruce Hebel. He's an author and a national speaker and founder of Forgiving Forward. I just, this that ministry, I, I love that name. And he's been helping people experience the freedom of the gospel, that it's really the gospel that enables us to be free. His calling is to help people get out of, again, I like this term, Doc, torment of unforgiveness uh, and remind them that God has a game plan for us all and it's victory. So let's get into this interview right now on today's edition of the Victor Mark Show. Hey, Bruce, thanks for being on the program today. Hey, my uh, pleasure, Victor. Brother, uh, I appreciate you for a number of reasons. One, what you do in your passion is we're going to agree. It's one of the most important things that is so overlooked and belittled by the modern church. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And no one no one thinks forgiveness is a bad idea, but we oftentimes salute it rather than actually do it. And mm. we, we, we kind of talk about it, but we don't learn to do it. And we don't really understand the consequences that comes to us personally and corporately if we don't forgive. Right. Now, before we get into this, uh, because we've got a lot of people listening and watching today, uh, there's no doubt this is going to be one of our most watched broadcasts. Uh, I'm sure of it because it's such a core issue. But let's, would you give people a little bit of background? Because you're a smarty pants, a theologue. All that. <laughs> Would you tell them a little bit about your background, please? You evidently don't know me well, but that's okay. I, I, <laughs> I love that the aura is out there. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, a, uh, I'm a son of a pastor, uh, raised in a pastor's home, uh, knew I was going to go into ministry when I was nine, and uh, went to Bible college, met my wife, uh, then went to seminary uh, to get trained at Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, and one of the things I noticed about my dad as he, as I was growing up as a pastor, because if you're going to follow in your dad or dad's footsteps, you want to learn from him, right? As, right? as a father, you want your sons to stand on your shoulders and go to the next level. And that was a relationship dad and I had. And I noticed he got hurt a lot as a pastor because mm. sheep bite and they, mm. they sneak up behind you and they bite you in places you don't want to be bit. And so I said, I'm not going to make them a mistake. So I go to Bible college, go to seminary. We get trained by some of the most significant godly leaders on the planet. Uh, we go into our ministry and we get bit mm -hmm. hard. And in fact, mm -hmm. multiple times in uh, uh, over multiple years in multiple locations. Uh, in fact, one of our darkest moments, Victor, uh, my wife calls the focus on the family pastoral hotline. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of sad that they need one, but thousands of people call them every year, pastors and their wives. And when they heard Tony tell our story, the guy said, that's the worst story we've ever heard. Why no, are you still really? doing it? Yeah, horrific things that have happened to us. Wow. Uh, and uh, things to, uh, to us personally, things to our kids. It's just been horrific, the things that we've suffered through the ministry. And there's about a year in my life, uh, I'd come to a church, church was 
kind of in a disarray. We brought health to it, was growing. My, all my gifts were functioning well, my teaching gifts, leadership gifts, all, everything's, the church was getting strong and, and going well, but I was inside of me a mess. Mm. The only word I can use is I was in torment. The, the, the scab from an old wound got knocked off by a current event. And I didn't tell anyone because, you know, we're, pa I'm a pastor, Nickter, you know, we, we yeah. don't have oh, problems. Yeah. We fix problems. Right. We, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's, you know, you got some military background. It's like a soldier. You don't, you don't, well, that, just an injury. The arm is gone, but it's just a flesh wound. Right. Yeah. And so I didn't tell my wife, I didn't tell anybody. And there's about a year I'm in torment. It's the only word I can use. And yeah, that's a good word. And a friend challenged me uh, that I had a forgiveness issue. And I said, no, 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 I don't. I forgave that guy. I wrote him a letter and told him so. He said, well, you got some issues, so you go away with God for whatever time it takes to figure out what it is. So I went to a lake house uh, a friend of mine let me use and just spent about three or four days with God. And then the, probably the third day there, uh, I just heard him clearly say to me, you haven't forgiven and mentioned the same man's name. And I said, mm. Yeah, I did forgive him, God. I wrote him a letter and told him so. And God said, I read your letter. I know. You didn't forgive him. You shamed him. Oh, wow. And, uh, and I said, but he did all of these things that were so wounding to me and my family. But he said, what, how many people have you told about all the things I did coming out of that circumstance? So how do you blame me and praise or praise me and blame him for the same event? And not having a good answer, I yielded and I forgave. And I can't tell you the shift that happened in my spirit. It just changed everything. Uh, and I went home, shared it with my wife. She wounded by the same guy, same things. She got free, gathered our kids together. Uh, mm -hmm. They're in their late teens, early 20s, and pastors' mm -hmm. kids get hurt a lot They don't, and don't know what to do with it, right? So they were deeply wounded by many things, us and others. And we spent 11 hours one day wow. dealing with old stuff. Just even in some cases, burning evidence of legally actionable things, just saying wow. it's covered. And it changed our family. And so long story short, we were God just through Bruce Wilkinson's encouragement and other things led us to leave the local church and go teach people how to forgive. Mm -hmm. Because most people who need to forgive need help doing it. And most people in the church don't know how to do it. And so God has just shifted us out of the local church and into the big C church. And we've been in the last 12 years all over the world seeing people free and coaching people freely. And I, this is really exciting to me because, you know, people ask me regarding our ministry, you know, what's the main message? We do a lot of stuff. We do important, amazing stuff. Evangelism is, you know, kind of mm -hmm. the base of it. But, you know, we confront the manifestation of evil tons but forgiveness is the core message of my story. I think that's what draws people to us. And, you know, one of the most difficult things I have, Bruce, is people always want to know, how did you forgive? How did you? I said, well, I wrote a book. You know, <laughs> you ought to take a look. But it's not an easy thing for people to actually do. It's kind of like spiritual warfare. If someone's being oppressed... They know the scriptures, but they don't actually know how to engage the demonic with the authority that Christ affords us through his power, his blood. And, and we see people tormented from that as well. So I just want to say that because I'm excited. I haven't had a guest on 
that is talked specifically about forgiveness. So immediately, people listening and watching, I just looked at our analytics for last week, and uh, we had 1.2 million engagements on social media. That that's There's no fluff to that. That's people that are actually engaging us. The radio station, we're on 450 as of today. And um, this year, we're, we're already well over 250 million impressions on social media. So I put that for the context of what we're talking about. There's a lot of people going to hear, you know, and this has got to be one of the most important messages and broadcast. They're all important, but this is such a core thing for people really to be set free. Yeah. I tell people the only people who don't need what we're teaching are the ones who've never been wounded. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and there was only got one guy who walked on the planet perfectly and we killed him. So none of us are getting out of this unscathed. So you have to learn how to deal with those wounds. It's true. And we're talking right now. I can hear people. I can hear people thinking they're saying my marriage. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. I can't forget my ex, my parents, a pastor, mm-hmm. a business associate, you know, mm-hmm. the, the left, the mm-hmm. right, uh, what, whatever, right. The, the person that killed my buddy in combat, it's a never ending deal. So, um, let- and you say you said earlier, it's hard, but it's not, it's not complicated. No, that's the inter- it's incredibly simple. Right. But there has to be a level of sincerity. Uh, we're we're going to break it down. I mean, we're, we're going to break it down. We're going to squeeze you like a penny. Uh, <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. During the depression, okay? Can I first give you my definition of forgiveness? Sure. It's the best one I've come across and articulate. Forgiveness to me is giving up my right to hurt someone back for hurting me. I get it. I get it. I think it's deeper than that. Oh, come on. The definition we have is the definition of of forgiveness is applying the blood of Jesus as payment in full for every wound I ever have or will suffer. That is pretty deep. And what's interesting, if I can just kind of back back up to that, God expects forgiven people to forgive others so much so he connects his forgiveness with ours. right? Right. The Lord's Prayer, the one clause in the Lord's Prayer that has a condition attached to it is about forgiveness, but it's not the condition we would expect. I would think that Jesus would give us a, in a model prayer about forgiveness, the, a condition that would say, God, help me forgive others the way you have forgiven me. But he says just the opposite. He said, God, use the standard I use of dealing with the people who wound me as a standard you use to relate to me. And I don't want him using anything I do as a standard, particularly right. how I deal with wounds, right? In fact, it's the only clause he gives immediate commentary to when he says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your father will forgive you. But if you don't, he won't. So does he literally mean that? Does he? he, He's not talking about uh, eternal security. That's a different question. Okay. But what he is saying is this, the way we deal with the people who wound us is how God will relate to us while we're walking around on the planet. It impacts our relationship with him. Hmm. And he says it multiple times throughout the gospels, but the most shocking statement I've, I've read in all of scripture And I'd been in ministry for 25, 30 years before I really saw this passage for what it meant. It's in Matthew 18. When Peter asked Jesus a question, how many times do I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Is seven times enough? 
Well, Peter knew the Pharisees said, if someone will sin against you twice, you had to forgive three times. If you want to be generous after that, don't have to forgive, probably shouldn't. So when he was saying seven times, he's doubling the maximum of the Pharisees and adding one looking for a pat on the back. Mm. And Jesus said, now, how about 70 times seven, which is 490 times, which is an unlimited number when you think about it, because if you get to the 460s and you're still counting, you've probably not been forgiving. And then he gives a story. He gives this metaphor. And it's an interesting story. Uh, He says the kingdom of heaven is like, and whenever he says that, you want to pay attention because he's giving us a glimpse as to how God wants things to work. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And there was a ruler who came to collect debts from servants who owed him money. You know, one's under the authority of the other. They're not equal, right? Right. And the first one, he owed him 10,000 talents. Pay me what you owe me. I don't have it. Then I'm going to throw you and your family into debtor's prison. And he says, please, please, please give me time. I'll pay it back. He didn't ask for forgiveness. He asked for time. But the ruler gave him more than he asked for. He forgave him the debt. Well, it's a great story until you calculate the the debt. Mm -hmm. And a talent was worth 60 mina, and a mina was three months' wages. Mm. So one talent is 15 years' wages for one talent. This guy owed 10,000. That's 150,000 years' worth of wages. Mm. Please, please, please give me time. No one has a debt that a mortgage that long, right? Mm. And then this guy should have been in a good mood. And generous to others, but he wasn't. He went and found another slave who owed him 100 days wages. That's about 16 grand. That's a manageable debt. First debt, unmanageable. Second debt, manageable. Pay me what you owe me. Same appeal. Please give me time. I'll pay it back. And he choked him and threw him in prison. Mm -hmm. And the ruler summoned him and said, you wicked slave. That's not a compliment. I forgave you all that debt because you asked for mercy. Shouldn't you give? have also had mercy the same way I had mercy on you? which is a legitimate question. And it says, and the ruler moved with anger, handed him over to the tortures until he should repay what he owed. Well, what did he owe? He didn't owe the money because if you forgive a debt, you can't reclaim that debt, but he owed something. What did he owe? He owed mercy to the next guy or what we call forgiving forward. And a torturer in that day was a man who was assigned to the jail, who was skilled at exacting the greatest amount of pain for the longest amount of time without someone passing out or dying. We all know what, you know, the guy at the end of Braveheart looked like, right? We know, we know what torture looks like. Jesus now leaves the parable, which is important because he's no longer telling a pretend story. He's addressing Peter's question. And he says, my heavenly father will do the same to you if each of you doesn't forgive your brother from your heart. Do what? Hand you over to the torturers. He doesn't say the father tortures us. He says he hands us over to it. And this is shocking when I saw this. He, because we, and it's not because we've been wounded, it's because we haven't forgiven the wound. Mm-hmm. And a torture in that day, the word was translated torture and torment. 18 mm-hmm. times it's used in the Greek New Testament. Of the other 17 times, there's maybe one exception, but every other time it's connected with hell, connected with hell or demonic activity. The uh-huh. rich man and Lazarus, right? The story, the Lazarus, right. the beggar, dies the same day as the rich man, rich Lazarus wakes up in Abraham's bosom. Rich man wakes up in hell being in the same word, torment. Mm. God gives legal authority for demonic forces to torment us when we don't forgive. And it's not because we've been wounded. It's because we haven't forgiven the wound. Mm. And you were talking about the demonic forces and stuff. 
Oh yeah. They're, they're there under the authority of the Father. And any calling of the Holy Spirit or calling of the, of, of the name of Jesus, it will not work because the tormentors are actually there under the assignment of the Heavenly Father, whose authority trumps the other ones. Right? Okay, you, you just got a lot of people's attention. That trucker driving, he, <laughs> <laughs> stay on the road, guy. <laughs> yeah, that that couple who've been fighting those newlyweds who are like, this mm -hmm. isn't going to work out. That just got their attention. We tell people the enemy because when we pray for people, we 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 speak directly to the demonic, and oftentimes they have a legal right. They'll tell they you. They do. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. No. I'm, and it's because of their unforgiveness. It is. And that's the first thing we go to. We just go, Holy Spirit, please show this person. Is there a sin that maybe they've forgotten or not aware of or something they're hanging on to? So this deal with, you know, God is saying, you know, I won't forgive you unless you forgive others. It's, it's not about eternal security. It's not about salvation but it's about relationship. So I'm dealing, people want to know how to apply. So let me give you a couple of cases and you can give wisdom and insight. Okay. Uh, young couple married four years. They have a child, but they're separated. They're going to see a lawyer. They're going to get a divorce. And uh, we talked with the wife here recently and she said, uh, no, I, I haven't forgiven him. And, and, you know, we just said, look, this would be so much easier if you could just forgive him. And same him to her. How does a married couple or somebody separated or going through a divorce, how do they actually forgive someone that they have this bitterness toward? Well, that's a great question because we coach a lot of couples and we have a, probably over a thousand in the last several years. Over a 90 to 95 percent breakthrough rate in one sitting. Marriages one? that are mar one. Wow. Marriages that are uh, on their way to divorce. Some who've actually been divorced got remarried. Uh, one lady looked at me one day and said, I'm only here because the judge said we had to. Can we get wow. this over with so I can call him? And in three and a half hours later, she looked at me and said, can you're a pastor, right? I said, I have been accused. And she <laughs> said, can we renew our vows with you now? Oh, my goodness. Because what in that scenario, I would look at the lady. I would say, are you enjoying your torment? Oh, that's good. And what's interesting is the wound that's causing the conflict, that's driving the torment, rather, that's causing the conflict in the marriage, in our experience, 100% of the time predate the couple meeting each other. It predates oh. the couple meeting each other. So you got to go deal with the root wounds in their past. And once the root wounds, because a wife is hearing, seeing this, uh, adultery or, or infidelity is oftentimes driven if not always, driven by a wound in the past. See, when you look at torment in our culture, it looks like anxiety, depression, all of the addictions, alcohol, drugs, sex. We have somebody delivered from cocaine just by forgiving. Uh, some physical issues, control issues, anger issues. In the, but the moment we forgive, they get free. Again, it goes oftentimes way, way back. So we're talking about transference of anger due to something yeah. that the root cause. Doc, how can they, beyond this program, reach out to you or go to your website 
or follow you to learn more because they they want help already. Yeah, yeah. Well, forgivingforward.com, forgivingforward.com. And at forgivingforward.com, you've got uh, a course you can take. Uh, there's a book that we've, we've got that you can read and you can and help people all over the world. It's actually in four different languages now. Just got into South Korea. And, I saw uh, that. I saw that. That's wild. So do people around the world have the same issue? Yeah. If they're breathing, <laughs> they've been wounded, right? Yeah. So folks, listen, you just heard his website, forgivingforward.com. And you need to go there. Take the and course. We're, and we're on Instagram and we're on, on Facebook and Twitter and all those things too. So uh, forgiving forward. It's forgiving forward. So um, no, this is good. I mean, th- what, what a great resource that uh, we have now with you. Because again, it's so key. I mean, I struggled in my marriage for years, and we have a marriage course that's, I mean, people are signing up like hotcakes. We just launched it a few weeks ago, but one of the that's one of the things we deal with. I, I was so bitter, and I transferred so much anger on my wife. I was stuck beyond stuck, and I was being tormented. There, there's, there's no way. And then I would be triggered. I couldn't control it. I literally couldn't control it. And it wasn't until I was able to extend forgiveness, true forgiveness, and then also receive it, you know, because I had some stuff that had, had bound me up. I remember telling my wife, I was like, how do you, honey, how can you walk in such freedom? You really believe God loves you. I mean, you mm-hmm. really, really mm-hmm. believe it. And she's like, yeah. I said, how do you forgive yourself? And she told me this. We were just in conversation, and it it made a difference for me. She said, you know, you you really can't forgive yourself because you're the offender. But she goes, and she was speaking my love language, which is low IQ, strong back, weak mind. And she just goes, honey, truly forgiving yourself is agreeing with Jesus that Mm -hmm. what he did on the cross was enough for it all. Mm -hmm. Anything outside of that? It's really an arrogance that mm-hmm. it's not. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you're right. So I started agreeing with my failures that, Lord, the cross is enough for it all. And, and you know, we do when we, we would say we do, we coach more people to forgive themselves than anything else. But it's based upon that same thing. The blood, if the blood of Jesus is enough for God, the father, how could it not be enough for you? And if he's satisfied, well, how can you not be? And so how do I hold myself accountable and want to add to that when Jesus said right. it's already, when God said it's already paid for. See, the blood of Jesus covers all sin. Okay, let, let, me, let me interrupt you for a second, respectfully, because now I got a lot of people that listen to this. They're not Christians. You know, I got a bunch of wild folks that follow me. Yep, 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 I got it. What is this blood of Jesus deal they're asking? This sounds weird. Yep. Yeah. Why do you keep saying the blood of Jesus? Well, because forgiveness is at the core of the gospel. You can't cut the gospel anywhere. It doesn't bleed forgiveness Mm. in Mark 24 or Luke 24. If it's not the last, it's one of the last conversations Jesus has with his disciples before after the resurrection, before he sends into heaven, he says, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and rise again on the third day. So that, and that's so that's a purpose clause, which means what proceeds in the main event what at follows is so it's bigger the deal of the death and resurrection of Jesus is the main event was afterwards. 
so that for repentance for forgiveness of sins be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Forgiveness is at the core of the gospel. Because the gospel is simply this. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, not only did man lose a lot, we lost the relationship we were designed to have with God, but God lost something. He lost the relationship, the, the glory we were designed to give him. And God said, I want my kids back and I want my glory back. But there's a big problem. There's a sin debt. It's more than 150,000 years worth of wages. There's zero possibility they'll ever be able, to be able to make it right. Jesus, are you willing to do something about this? Sure, Dad. I got enough righteousness to cover it. So he comes to the plant, lives 33 and a third years perfectly. And on the cross, stretched out his arms, he said, it is finished. What was finished? The payment for the sin debt of the world. He paid with his blood for the punishment and the debt of the sin debt of the world. First John 2, 2 says, he, Jesus, is a satisfaction for our sins, but not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. So our sin debt was covered. It had to be covered by blood and our blood wasn't pure enough. It had right. to be the blood of Jesus. And he poured it out, but not only for my sins, Victor, but also for the sins that of the people who wounded me, who hurt mm -hmm. me, who've done things. Those, those things are sins against God that we get wounded by. The blood of Jesus covers that too. This is good. And I can just sense people this being balm to their soul. Hey, thanks for joining us on the first part of our conversation with Dr. Bruce Hebel. It's not a matter if we get offended, it's a matter of when, and it happens to all of us. Some have experienced more intensely than others, but regardless of how holy you see yourself, forgiveness is an exercise that we all need to practice on a regular basis to prevent, well, what we call roots of bitterness from taking over our lives. So come back tomorrow for part two of this interview. Bruce, thank you for being on the show today. My pleasure. Well, I'm Victor Marks, and again, thanks for joining us on this edition of the Victor Marks Show, and wherever you are, whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of God, full throttle. God bless you, now go get her done. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.